Spags, the people can only hear you and I talk about these rookies, about the draft for so long. I think it's time we bring in another expert. It's time to bring in the big guns. NBC's Kyle Dvorak coming on here. He just did a mock draft for NBC Sports Edge, so he's going to bring that good intel. The combine is going on. The rookies are going to be talked about. So let's hit it right for this very short intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Splash Play. Of course, the fantasy football does not stop here. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by Pete Overzet. Today, we have our pal, a former stochastic alum such as myself, Kyle Dvorak, a man who is pulling a lot of the weight at NBC Sports Edge. Kyle, how are you doing in this fine combine season? Yeah, I, uh, you know, week week 18 rolls around. We're in the playoffs. There are fewer games. and like finally getting some time off. I'm just going to just going to kick back and chill. And then I was like, I don't know, there's not like a lot of content on the site right now that you know things are wrapping up so i'll just preview every team in the off season and then like i counted the days between the super bowl and uh free agency and if you don't include weekends because i'm not like posting articles in the weekends there are fewer than 32 days so i'm like really churning right now we were talking about this before the show i promise i you won't see much of me after the after free agency the first week of free agency or so i'm gonna take some time off but grinding grinding to the bone right now even I was going to say, players, yeah. <laughs> I, I went to your uh, uh, your author page on on NBC and I saw all the team previews and I just wrote up, um, we've been doing a series on Fantasy Life called Fantasy Fixers, which is basically like looking at what the team did and, and saying what they should do this year to improve. And I just did one for the Dolphins. It was the first one I had done. And then I saw how many you had done and I was like, I don't know how you do it, man, because I was exhausted just writing one for the Dolphins. So you are you're out there doing the Lord's work. I did, I did like almost half of them during the playoffs or even before that. I think I started week 18. Like, dude, I like other than putting in like the, the bears have XX pick, uh, which turned out to be number one. Like, dude, I can tell you, like, they're not turning things around in the final four weeks, right? I can get to work on their off season as I imagine they did pretty quickly. So, uh, teams like them, the Texans, you can get a, a bit of a head start on, but, uh, we're, we're coming close. I'm going to cut it to the wire, getting the last article in the day before free agency. So I had how like, are you with, feeling about some okay. of these things that have come up so far? Because right before the show, uh, Pete actually came on, broke the news to me, but something we were expecting, Leonard Fournette released by the Bucks. We got people clamoring for Rashad White in here. How many of these moves, Kyle, are you sort of foreseeing, obviously, with the spot track stuff that everybody's looking up these days, the contract, kind of knowing general cap rumor and innuendo stuff? Like, are you feeling prepared, or is there anything that ends up being a shocker to you? Yeah, I feel much more prepared. I mean, something will shock me, I'm sure. But, like, I do feel much more prepared for pretty much, like, all permutations that exist on NFL teams than I even do about the rookies. Like, I'm knowledgeable of all the rookies, but, like, the landing spots is really what I feel like I can forecast better than, uh, like, the average NFL fan. Uh, I know a lot about the rookies, but, like, even even once I'm fully ingrained into the day before the draft ready to go, like, I'm not, like, a... a talent scout right i'm not going to know who's got the better handwork and the better release of these players just from a fantasy perspective too let alone like the offensive line but like at this point and i'm i'm not close to done but i have like 10 teams left to preview and even then i've already done some work on i feel like i know most teams options that they have available for both like cap draft whether they're taking players trading back i know the options i don't i don't know which one they choose i, I have some leans right but um that part, I feel like I probably have a, a pretty, I don't want to say edge, because like I'm not even firing a ton of best ball right now. I've done a few, but just in terms of maybe you'd call it like a content edge, right? 
Yeah, it makes sense. I guess, are there any observations you're seeing here? Because I've, you know, I think the Fournette thing, not a surprise, certainly something we expected there. My personal belief with the rookie running backs coming in, we are going to talk a lot about rookies coming up here. The rookie running backs, I think, are so solid across the board, as well as some free agents out there that I think probably looking for too rich of a contract relative to what running backs would get in general. And again, for guys like Saquon, I think what they deserve relative to the advanced analytics and all that. But are you thinking there could be a bloodletting for a position coming up this free agency? Because running back stands out. We saw wide receivers getting paid big time last offseason. Just any kind of overarching trends you're thinking might be coming up. Yeah, every time I look at one of these teams, I'm like, needs a receiver, needs another receiver. Yeah. I mean, that's just like the trend of the NFL, right? Is that the more we get towards passing, the more that the league moves on from the got to play balance, you got to get your running back, you know, moves away from the once Zeke clears 15 touches, we have a 90% win rate sort of mentality. As we move farther from that, like Tyler Boyd isn't a great receiver. He's got to be like one of the best. He might be the best third receiver in the league. Like I like Tyler Boyd. He's fine. But like, Imagine if that team had another elite receiver, how much more unstoppable they'd be. And that is true relative to other positions as well. Like it's a position you can double and triple down on, whereas like running back doesn't have a ton of utility to, I mean, we know you talk about the devaluing the position, having one elite running back is good. It's not as good as having an elite quarterback, receiver, tackle, edge, corner. You can keep going down the list. Uh, having a second elite receiver is so much more valuable than having even the first elite running back, let alone the second, et cetera. So every single team I preview, I'm like, you know what this team needs? Like third receiver, second receiver, even you know, a lot of teams need first receivers, but that is the need I find. Like, I think you could strongly argue almost every team needs. It's funny you say that too, because like I said, I was doing the Dolphins write-up and one of the things I wrote about, it, it's like, yeah, they have these two superstar wide receivers. And yet if they let Mike Gusecki walk in free agency, like I'm not trusting Cedric Wilson out there. I was like, they have to find that third guy. And you look at all yep. Teams who made it deep into the playoffs. Sure, the Chiefs didn't have like a core like top three, but they were trying their their hearts out to find that guy. But you, the Dallas Goddard, the Brandon Ayuk, you know the uh, the Tyler Boyd, like you said, like that playmaker is now almost table stakes to being like a legit you know superstar team. Yeah, it's, it's ludicrous the Chiefs get away with having bad receivers. They're the only team that can do it. Uh, yeah. And I still think they should keep pushing that edge just in, in in the way they're trying to do, affordable ways, right? Spending second-round pick on Kadarius Tony, you know, second-round pick on Sky Moore, relatively cheap, especially it's a near-term contract. It's, it's up. The Juju contract, although it doesn't really pan out, it has no long-term ramifications for them. MVS a little more with his dead cap, but he doesn't have bad dead cap beyond this year. It is, it's not even that bad this year, I don't think. So Chiefs, like... Man, that is a uh, a steal that they can both win a Super Bowl and trade away Tyreek Hill in the same same twelve month span. They're they're legit the only team that can afford that. We even see like Josh Allen's probably the second best quarterback, give or take. Uh, they really seem to struggle when you cover Stephon Diggs because like Gabe Davis has a role, but that role is so limited in what he can do that when you cover up Stephon Diggs well, or even if you just limit him to like less than one hundred and twenty yards. They're, they're really sent searching for someone else. So if you were as good as Josh Allen, if you were as good as some of these other elite quarterbacks, one, one top end receiver and a second solid one, like you said, like getting too deep is just the table stakes for the best teams. Unless you have Patrick Mahomes, then you just have a cheat code. 
So how do you look at the rookies coming in here? Because I'm going to pull up your mock draft. Actually, I'll drop the link in the chat as well if you guys want to check it out because Kyle clearly did a lot of work here prepping this one. We want to make sure get some get all the clicks over at NBC Sports Chat to check it out. But are you finding it tough to compare some of these rookies to different situations where I know for me, like I kind of default to the analogy of, oh, if this tight end lands on the Bengals and is the Hayden Hurst replacement, they're going to be great. If this running back ends up on the Bills or the Cowboys and they don't bring back Pollard, don't bring back Zeke, they're going to look great. How situational do you view some of these spots? Because obviously there are guys like Bijan Robson, incredibly talented, I think. You know, Smith and Jigby, you could kind of dig him for this year, but incredibly talented based on the advanced metrics and all that. Like, how do you view these guys and how important is the situation relative to the players' individual talents? I think it probably, I mean, it does almost objectively depend on the position. Like we see uh, receivers have so much more control over their own production. Their talent has a much higher correlation to the output, both in a real life and a fantasy sense. Whereas for running back, like, I do think that one talent still matters, right? I, I still think Bijan is like the second or third best running back prospect over the past like six or seven years, something like that. Uh, that matters. But as soon as you start to work your way down the ladder, uh, I think the, the situation and just the ability to earn touches out of the gate matters much more for running backs. Whereas receivers, like if, if, uh, if, we see the Dolphins take a receiver. They don't have a first-round pick. So if they take second or third, that dude is almost certainly talented enough to play ahead of Trent Shurfield instantly, right? But with running back, it's just so much of how the opportunity end up being doled out. And what kinds of opportunities there, too? Like, I think I think Bijan would have real-life NFL success with the Eagles to a disgusting degree. They also have the best and most efficient scoring quarterback at running, like, almost ever like he has almost more red zone work in a single season than any other quarterback of the past 20 some years like back to like where i can scrape data for like red zone carries uh he, he's like the most used quarterback in the red zone he'd, he'd run for like five you know 5.5 yards a carry 250 times might only score like five or six touchdowns we know mobile quarterbacks don't also throw to their running backs as much so i love the eagles as a real life landing spot i don't think you should i don't think you should draft running back top 10 first round is iffy He'd have so much success there, but I don't know how much that translates to fantasy success. I think you can kind of make the same argument for a team like the Bills, where they're just not going, even if they have a good running back, I think philosophically they won't run the ball that much, and they have another quarterback who will soak up touchdowns at the one five-yard line. That, so That was going to be my question for you of where do you think Bijan will go, like a pick range? Give me a five-pick range. And where do you think he should go? Like if you were the GM for every single team and got to make each one of these picks, where would be your tipping point where you would efficiently select Bijan? I think, I think he'll go higher than I have. I have him 27. I struggled to find a spot ahead of him. Uh, I think his ceiling probably is like 10 ish to the Eagles. Eagles are a very smart organization, generally believed to want to be one of the most analytics forward organizations. I don't think they'll do it. Uh, and I wouldn't do it at 10. I think efficient is probably back end of the first round. Uh, and it's so much of like how likely I think his distribution is to be good. Like, I, I don't know if he'll be uh, the best running back in the league, but I can tell you he will provide something, very likely provide something above average versus other running backs. And I think having a tight distribution that is positive is probably worth taking in the first round. Late first round, I think where I have him is like maybe the ceiling of efficient drafting. Uh, and I don't think this is the strongest draft class either, so maybe that helps a little bit. But uh, I think I have him like the ceiling of efficient drafting, and I just kind of, it just fell that way. 
I think he probably the next time I do a mock will find himself somewhere between like 10 to 15 or maybe 15 to 20 if I had to pick a range. And you didn't account for trades with this at all, right? Because I think that's one thing where it feels like not. there's different rules for the mock drafts out there. We send them account for trades and they could send guys wherever. But I feel like the way you did it is the pure way if you're going to run a mock draft where just teams have to sit where they are. And if trades happen, they happen. Yeah, I think as we get closer, I, I might start projecting trades because like at, at the time I wrote this and still now it's it's totally possible that the Bears sit with Justin Fields at number one. Uh, I think it's, it's maybe like a 5% outcome, right? But there are a lot of small minority outcomes that you just have to pick one at some point because no specific outcome is super likely. So without any more information, I didn't want to go too crazy. But the next time, uh, they, don't, they don't seem the most sold on uh, fields, but I still think the most likely outcome is like either trade to two so the Texans get whoever they want and probably trade back again. Or number four, uh, Indianapolis is like maybe even more likely than the Texans to go up to one also, obviously, to get a quarterback. So you want to talk about the QBs, Pete? Because I'm curious where some of these spots might go. I think as Kyle talked about here, the Bears have given about as strong of a cosign, I guess, as they're going to give to Justin Fields. Rumors out there, they're now officially marketing the pick out there. Um, so the one spot, Pete, seems like a key decision point here. But do we want to try and guess who goes number one at QB and I guess who's going to trade up? Yeah, I mean, it does seem like Bryce Young is kind of the guy who's going to be number one. I think what's really fun right now is all of this Anthony Richards steam. Um, Richardson, he's now tied with Will Levis at plus 700 to even be the first off the board. Um, just looking at the betting markets, Bryce Young minus 145 to be the first overall pick. CJ Stroud plus 350 and then Levis and Richardson at plus 700. So it does seem like we're starting to get a little bit of a consensus up top with Anthony Richardson being kind of like the dark horse late charger. So, so I guess let's see if what we can agree on then, because I think are we all in agreement here that Bryce Young is likely to go number one? I, I don't know if that's a 100% certainty because I feel like Stroud could pick up some momentum. Maybe what Pete's talking about with Richardson could be a thing where somebody takes that dive. But I feel like Bryce seems like the most complete prospect at QB. So Kyle, do you think he's pretty much a shoe in to be the first QB off the board? Yeah, I don't think a shoe in. I think uh, definitely like a over 50% chance. Uh, you know, I, I generally agree with where the books have him, like minus 130, 140, something in that range. Uh, but like, the, and it's it's so difficult to tell for sure. Because I think if you pulled every single GM, he'd come in as the number one. But it only takes one single GM, uh, like say the Colts. Jim Mercer is like, ah, he's too small. Bryce Young, he's very small. He's gonna be like 5'10", 180 something. Uh, had I drank like more milk growing up, I could have approached 5'10", 180, and I'm not big. So that's a concern, and I think it's a concern that it only takes one GM who trades up to number one, uh, if that is Jim Irsay, or if it's the Texans they, they flip and just want to ensure their guy. It is totally possible the team that trades up wants the prototypical size, which Stroud absolutely has. Uh, I still think, though, the majority of teams, including the ones looking at quarterback, would take Bryce Young first, but I'm not extremely confident. You know, I, I think it's... 55, 60% maybe. And Shroud would probably be my second. Cause I think he has like statistically a lot of similarities to like the completeness of a Bryce Young, just with more prototypical size. So you've got Stroud going to the Colts then. I think Bryce Young goes to the Texans just as that guy who can be the face of the franchise guy, high you know, high character guy, I think will probably matter for them as well. But I think Stroud's a little more fluid where 
I personally believe Stroud's best fit is the Raiders. Like, I think he's a pure pocket passer, a guy who was really great at pretty much every level, throwing the ball under 10 yards, throwing the ball deep, throwing the ball, like, not a great rusher. I think people sometimes get spooked by the idea of, like, oh, he's not Justin Fields, he can't run the ball. But he is such a better pocket passer that I think an offense where you have kind of a dedicated wide receiver one, the, uh, hopefully a coach in McDaniels who can get the most out of him there. I like that more for him than the Colts, who I would love to see get Richardson. If you had to choose the landing spots, Kyle, where would these guys go? Because I think Bryce Young, I'm with you. Like, I get why he goes number one overall. But I think I'd rather have Stroud if I'm both a fantasy player and a coach that actually wants to sling the rock. Yeah, I think Stroud is is easily in competition with Bryce Young to be like the best pure thrower of the football. And there, there's a pretty tier gap between those two guys and the next guys who are the toolsy type prospects. I think especially Richardson maybe gets a little bit too much of the, he's a toolsy project type of guy. He's not, an, he wasn't like an elite quarterback in terms of the advanced metrics, like his EPA per throw in college. But he, I think there's a step between him and Will Levis. Will Levis, like his EPA per throw was rough. Uh, and I think Richardson is probably slightly more athletic and he's a little bit bigger too. So I, I think personally, I have him as the third best quarterback. I would love to see either one of them to me, since I think Richardson is better. I, I would like to see this go to Washington with the I, I just want to see what this guy can do with a super athletic, the, you know, the toolsy type, but also has the arm to make throws at all distances, a la Mahomes, even though doesn't quite have the accuracy to make the, you know, Mahomes has the, Mahomes and Allen have the arm strength plus accuracy combo. Not sure we get that from anyone outside of Stroud Young, but they at least have the tools to maybe do that, especially if they're receivers are schemed well and get open more often. So I think Washington is a great spot for almost anyone, but the creativity that maybe we get from BNM, maybe it was all in your read, who knows, but the potential for the creativity of BNM would pair really well with one of the quarterbacks who takes a little more projection to get to. Of the teams in the top 10 that are all kind of desperate for a quarterback and you, you kind of have them, you have the Texans taking Bryce Young, you have the Colts taking Stroud, Raiders with Levis and then the the Panthers with Richardson. Do you think one of those teams could potentially get shut out as in, you know, someone is the team jumping up into the top few picks to get their quarterback and then the Panthers or Raiders are left out in the cold? Or do you think if a team jumps up, it is like the Raiders or the Panthers going to get their guy? No, I could see Washington just like maybe it's it's uh, not as prevalent in the front office. But I do think uh, once you've run through a string of so many average at best to below average quarterbacks uh, and you have a coach who likely needs a spark this year. Right. Like I think if Rivera gets uh, another six and whatever, 11 record, it's probably on the way out. So. It seems like with the, I think, a really smart, really high upside offensive coordinator hire, they're, I don't want to say shooting for the moon, but shooting for upside. So I think they uh, maybe should, depending on the cost, but uh, definitely are willing to be a team that trades up because they kind of, I don't want to say they need to win now, but they need to show promise now. It's a team like, I mean, if you really want to hold up the, I did they make the playoffs with a losing record with Heineke and then got dispatched by the Bucks. Yeah. I, like, I wouldn't yeah. count that as showing promise. I don't think they've a team that showed like true long-term upside in a while. They at least need to get that to save their jobs. And, and at least as far as Ron Rivera is concerned. And if Ron Rivera is out, the enemy's probably out too. So I guess he also kind of needs to, he has joined a sinking ship in a way. So he needs to help save that ship. I think they'd be like the ideal team to do it. They also have really good receiver talent. So it'd be another spot where there is some level of ease to a quarterback who might take some projection to see him become an elite passer. So I'd love to see them do it. I think they're probably a candidate to do it. 
Yeah, McLaurin was one guy that jumped out to me when I was kind of putting together the rankings, looking at the EPA numbers, where I think McLaurin was over a 0.3 EPA per target, which you wouldn't think, given the guys that he had thrown in the ball. Dotson was also a plus receiver last year who could get some more routes if they are going to get rid of Curtis Samuel. Seems like some of the cap hit stuff uh, might push them that way. So I like the commanders. I think to me, I guess for them, that's a, a team I certainly haven't heard about taking a QB because reports were that they were going to potentially, you know, make Hal starting as a, a demand for anybody they would hire there. How much do you kind of worry about those things or think about those things? Because I agree with you, like platonically, the commanders make sense. But when you hear those reports about, oh, they've demanded that you start Sam Howell, it does give you some pause about trying to pin these guys together if you're, let's say, stacking them up in best ball. Yeah, I think about them a lot. I do think we have to take like a lot of grains of salt with these things we hear. Uh, cause like you would, you would want, uh, you know, you would want, say you've already hired the enemy and, and you're, you're in the front office. You would want everyone to think you don't want a quarterback. Like you'd be strategically inclined to believe that. And we see it with like, uh, like the, the, uh, uh, the Kyle Trask comments, uh, we think he's got a potential in the league. He's, we see him as a distributor. That is a red flag right there. If you see the quarterback who supposedly is, is could be starting for you as a quote distributor. He ain't it. And, and you haven't even watched him play yet in the NFL. You're already pigeonholing him t- into this distributor role as their new OC who said this. Uh, like, I, I think it's definitely possible that someone like Trask or how ends up starting uh, this coming year, but I don't want to get too carried away with the words they say because of how suboptimal it would probably be to do that thing. Um, it's possible though. And I think it's definitely, at least for both of these teams, they both have kind of similar setups with their young backup hasn't played type of quarterback. Uh, it's possible that that's on the radar for them. I think it can't be the first option. I think maybe it allows you to be a little more price sensitive. If you're looking to trade up, if you need to trade up to like five Seattle, if if that's where you need to get to take a quarterback, if you're Washington and they want to run you like two plus first round picks, you probably say, oh, well, I guess we'll try Sam Howell. I still think these teams have a relative understanding that, like, we didn't see Sam Howell almost at all last year. It certainly didn't matter by the time we saw him. And he was, uh, you know, he's passed on by every team. I assume every team got a chance to pass on him, like, twice, if not three times. Gives us a lot of data, even if it isn't on in terms of on-field snaps. Yeah, I'm with you on it. I think how, you know, the one game certainly looked good, but even the numbers really weren't that great from that game. You look into any EPA numbers, looking into the DVOA, all that stuff at Football Outsiders. So I would say that too, that I think there's still a chance, but I do get paused when I hear about uh, demands from offensive coordinators coming in. One thing we have to talk about though, because of the timing of free agency, again, free agency comes up middle of next month. So many QBs could be on the move. We know Derek Carr is floating around out there. Obviously some other names that are uh, potentially free agents. Aaron Rodgers is, I don't, I haven't heard enough about his darkest retreat, but he certainly seems like he's going to be out there. How much do you think those veterans affect this? Because it feels like you could see a team like the Raiders in particular, where I would love to see Stroud go there, but feels like they're more likely to get a vet. Like how many vets are going to take these rookies jobs potentially, or these incoming rookies potential jobs? Yeah, I think we'll see right now. I think, uh, I think it's maybe a little above 50, 50 that we get, uh, Rogers to the Raiders. And then that would probably leave car to the jets already had a visit there, had a visit with, uh, the saints saints cap situation. Isn't great. Although all their contracts are like relatively easily restructured to clear up some space, but it would be like such a short term thinking thing for them to do. Just take one year off saints, get, get your cap situation. Good. Kill some of these void years off accrue draft picks, but that's just not, they just don't do that, man. So I think most likely we get a car to the Jets and the Jets probably, there's not really any rumblings they would consider drafting a quarterback, which makes me think that they're almost certainly all in on getting a, I'm lumping Aaron Rodgers in this, a free agent, an established veteran, I guess you'd say. Uh, And they'd probably even them and maybe uh, like the Bucks would dip down as far as like a Jimmy Garoppolo. 
so I think it does kind of line up that the teams right now that we think are contenders for uh, the veterans are probably almost the opposite for the rookies outside of, I would say uh, I could very much see the Panthers because of how short-sighted they've been recently with just trying to churn these retread quarterbacks and, uh, and the Raiders uh, given like their affinity for like backup quarterback, Jared Stidham. I think he's a free agent. They could, no one's going to, no one's going to fit them on Jared Stidham. Those are two teams that I think are tweeners where they could go for the, uh, the short-term satisfaction of uh, a veteran who's probably not that good. Uh, or they could, if the draft falls to him, they probably, they consider themselves flexible. I don't really think you should consider, we've got Jimmy Garoppolo on the table as flexibility, but they probably do. They probably do think that way. Uh, so I think there are teams that could go both ways. Teams like the Colts, I, I don't, there's, I mean, literally, I think it was Ursay uh, with Ballard on, you know, Chris Ballard on, you know, whatever their postseason uh, wrap-up type of conference, <laughs> he said specifically something about getting a good young quarterback in there. Like, they've already made their decision on drafting a quarterback. It's so transparent. I Ursay said it. So they're a team that, even though we've seen them go better in the past, they've literally told us they're going quarterback. Pete, do you have any thoughts about the free agent QBs and I guess one that could go there? Because Carolina is one that I think Kyle just mentioned there that I've kind of felt like they could go free agency instead. And I think people keep pinning Anthony Richardson to him. I think it's possible Richardson goes to the Colts at four and then somebody trades up for Stroud and kind of upsets the structure there. But free agent QB wise, Pete, is there anybody that stands out to you as being a uh, guy that's kind of tailor made to take one of these spots? Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they've been kind of burned um, with the free agent quarterback route. They did draft... Um, Matt Corral, and I think they might want to see what they have in him a little bit. So I, I don't know. I, I They don't strike me necessarily as a team that's going to go out and try to do another stopgap thing. It does feel like they're kind of rebuilding, right? Ever since they traded away CMC, kind of signaling, hey, we want to build this from the ground up in a smart way. I do feel like they would rather find a franchise quarterback via the draft. And because they have a fresh new coaching staff, like you don't yeah. have the the sort of Ron Rivera worry that like, even if this rookie pans out over a three to four year span, uh, if I'm Rivera, I'm not awfully concerned uh, or I'm not awfully excited if my rookie quarterback really struggles in year one, but he he breaks out in year three, like a la Josh Allen. You don't make it to year three if he's truly bad. Like if they take trade up, take Richardson, and he just isn't good as a rookie. Uh, he doesn't make it past this year probably. Whereas uh, like Reich and company actually have like start from scratch, you're okay losing this year with a rookie quarterback because it's in the best long-term interest of you and the team. Your, your incentives are aligned, essentially, right? Any franchise's incentive should be like maximize Super Bowls over whatever window you want to call it. Whereas a coach, especially on the hot seat, would be like, win this year. That is my prime objective, regardless of how it's uh, accomplished. Where at least with the Panthers, though they have been like, I'll, I'll call it short-sighted. They've been short-sighted in the past. The coach, coaching staff and the front office probably have their objectives as closely as aligned as you can just because of the way the reset timed out. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So I guess let's, let's close the loop on the QBs and let's go uh, around the horn here and we'll kind of do a uh, best ideal landing spot for these guys. So we talked about Bryce Young. Potentially, it seems like going to be the guy who will be the top QB taken. So, Kyle, you could pick one team for Bryce Young. Which team do you pick? Um, I, I think I'd, I think it'd be pretty good with the Colts. I think uh, like they they in the past have been looking for the pocket presence type of guy. I mean, going up, like there is nothing but pocket presence with Matt Ryan in that he does not offer anything outside of the pocket. Uh, same could be said when they got Phillip Rivers. They have uh, a little bit of an expensive aging line, but still, I think, good at this point. Potentially good receivers, especially if we keep seeing, like, Pittman was pretty good last year, and his quarterback's terrible. 
So I think, and run game should be good. I don't think it's the biggest help to have a good run game. Certainly can't hurt though. So I think that'd be a good spot for them. I could see them going with the most upside. If you want to call it that with like a Richardson type, it's totally possible. But I think the Colts is just generally a good landing spot for most quarterbacks. Pete, how about you? Where does Bryce Young go? Is it where he goes or what we think would be ultimately what you would like to see for him? That's in the realm of general possibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I do. I, I kind of, I don't know. I can get excited about the Texans, right? Because I know that sounds crazy, but if they use their next pick on one of these impact wide receivers and Kyle has them taking a wide receiver, Quinton Johnson, I think someone like Nico Collins is perfectly suited to be like a wide receiver too. I kind of was impressed what I saw from him at the end. So I can kind of get on board with the Texans doing like the poor man's Jags thing where they start to turn around the franchise, Damian Pierce as a lead running back. Um, So I think it, you know, we all have the like gross stench of the Texans when that name comes up, but I feel like things could get turned around quickly for them. So I don't actually hate that spot for him. Yeah, I'm with you on the Texans. I think that would be my spot for Bryce Young. I think Miko Ryan's coming in as head coach. Like that defense is going to be better just through kind of here's his sheer force of will in addition to actually, you know, bringing, I think, some of the Niners staff offensively. And I think that's where Bryce Young kind of excels in this draft. He's not going to kill you. And I think if you're going to have a good defense, you're going to be a defense forward team. I think having the guy who's not going to kill you is probably a positive. He's mobile enough. Like he kind of be... I guess a, a short Trey Lance with a better pedigree coming from Bama. So I think there's some ways for Bryce Young to make a lot of sense for the Texans and just be that guy who could sell tickets and be the face of the billboard. Like it kind of matters if you're Houston at this point. So I would say that for him. Um, CJ Stroud, though, Pete, that's a guy we talked about a little bit. Traditional pocket passer, big bodied guy. He's on the thumbnail picking a hat with Kyle leering on kind of enthusiastically like a Mortal Kombat head uh, hopping in. So where does CJ Stroud go for you, Pete? I'll, uh, I'll mix it up, and I, I, I'll avoid a, a chalk situation or chalk pick. I'll say the Atlanta Falcons, who just uh, released Marcus Mariota today, they still get a little spooked about Desmond Ritter. They make some moves. They go up and get their pocket passer, and our guys, Drake London and Kyle Pitts, are finally unleashed. Wow. They would just make him run 20 times a game. <laughs> That's what they would do instead. Uh, Kyle C.J. Stroud, where's your dream spot for him? I'm going to, I'll double down on uh, Pete's Falcons takes. I think the Falcons, we give them a really bad rap for running a ton, playing slow and exciting football, and they deserve some of the discredit. But like last year, their EPA on passes and runs was almost identical. I think, I think runs was, you know, by a hundredth of a, of a expected point was actually better than their passing. So like when those two things are truly equal, I, we probably shouldn't pick on them as much for running the football a ton. When your defense is terrible, you probably do just want to slow games down. Uh, And in the ways in which they passed, they're pretty smart about it. Like they were one of the highest consistent. I think they were the highest play action rate team. All of their running backs, uh, even down to like Caleb Huntley, were above average in rush yards over expected. If all three of these guys are like producing more than you would expect, it's probably some level scheme. I think Algier and Patterson are good running backs. When you get down to Huntley and he's still producing more per next gen stats than what you would expect, like the ground scheme is probably good. They're also facing a lot of stacked boxes on the ground. That will be good if they choose to ratchet up the passing volume. So I definitely think like a lot of coaches are like Arthur Smith may just be dogmatic. It may not matter the quarterback he has. He'll run the ball a ton. He needs to establish it. But if he has a little bit of leniency, say he saw Marcus Mariota throw the ball and said, nope, I'm good. Don't need to see any more of that. Clearly it's probably true since they cut him. Uh, and he decides that when he gets a good quarterback, he is going to air it out more like, that could be really successful. So I, I especially think for uh, for like one of the more established, one of the ones we are more confident can pass the ball well, I think this could actually be a good spot if Arthur Smith opens it up. And he might. He had reasons to not open it up in the past. So there's potential here. 
Okay, I like you guys going that way. I will go against my Raiders choice. I still think that's the nicest one for Stroud in terms of being able to step in, have some targets. What if instead of re-signing Seattle, uh, re-signing Gino rather for Seattle, which has been kind of the thing everybody's expecting, he'll get franchise tagged, he'll re-sign. What if they let him go and take CJ Stroud instead and we basically have Stroud doing his I would say a long-term better version of Gino there. And maybe I have the ax to grind a little bit. Obviously wanted Drew Locke to start last year. Wanted to see him get that shot. <laughs> but I think if you're going to draft a QB here, like the guys who can kind of be better versions of Gino are probably CJ Stroud. And if you want to take a guy who's going to be 25, Hendon Hooker later in the draft. But I think relative to what Seattle does, like I'd love to see Stroud in that offense. I think there's some legs there, you know, Walker at running back, um, obviously great weapons. I think that Stroud could have his best success maybe in Seattle. I'd be down to that. I kind of glossed over this one because I do think it's more likely they re-sign Gino, yeah, but it's totally possible they don't. Uh, and if this spot opens up, it would be a really good spot. Uh, I even think it's possible the the less accurate quarterbacks could excel here because not that Russell Wilson wasn't accurate. He was extremely accurate. But as it turns out, Pete Carroll's pretty good at highlighting the strengths and hiding the weaknesses, which we now see in full effect in Denver. Some of that was also going to terrible coaching, right? But I do think some of it is Russell Wilson is far from a perfect quarterback. And Pete Carroll did admittedly, I hate to say it, pretty good job at hiding the flaws and accentuating his, his strengths. The strengths and flaws would be very different for an Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, but maybe that's some sort of skill that, that Pete Carroll and the staff have that would, if it translates between styles, would actually be really good for a quarterback who has, you know, exploitable flaws. So let's talk about some of the other guys left here. And then we'll hop to other positions as well. Appreciate all you guys hanging out in chat, seeing all the chats. Appreciate all you guys participating here. Um, we got Anthony Richardson. I still think that to me seems like a cult spot. Like I think that's mm. where you take the lessons that Shane Steichen has getting Jalen Hurts to be a competent QB. I think based on how I played in the Super Bowl, much better than competent. But I think still the fact that he came in with some real flaws, wasn't accurate, wasn't a guy who was great. Richardson is all that stuff. Like he's very mobile, as we talked about in a lot of these videos. A great EPA as a runner, high missed tackle rate, a 38% missed tackle rate, which would be higher than most of the running backs in the class. I'd be curious to see what he does with Richardson as a ball of clay. I think it'd be better than him getting to Frank Reich or somebody with Richardson's talent. So I'd love to see him to the Colts. But, but Kyle, where do you really want Anthony Richardson to go? Uh, I, I'll reiterate this one. I think he'd be a really interesting spot with Eric Bieniemy. Uh, okay. That one, I, I just think the creativity. You were on the Washington be, payroll. You're getting some of those Snyder loans. <laughs> uh, I won't be getting them much longer. I don't think he's, I don't think he's long for this this mortal world anymore of the NFL. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Bieniemy was a really good hire. They've got good weapons. Even if they lose Curtis Samuel, it's, it's probably fine that they lose him. They've been spending on offensive line. Hasn't given them the best offensive line. But they also have a strong should have a strong defense at least in terms of pass rush. So they would almost certainly have to trade up. And I think I even, uh, what I got, I think, where did I end up having Richardson go here? Uh, you had him nine I to think, Carolina. I think one, I am going to buy into this team because by steam, we also kind of mean money, right? Money has a belief that Richardson will go above Will Levis. I think the next time I, I do a mock draft, it will have these two quarterbacks flipped in terms of the order in which they go. Nice. Um, but I also think like, getting to the Panthers at nine almost might be a floor for a quarterback unless the NFL really doesn't like it would have to be at this point, almost certainly Will Levis, but I think like that's still kind of a floor. So they have to trade up, which is kind of a hindrance for, I would say it's a hindrance for almost any rookie quarterback, just because you have your team has spent less resources elsewhere. But I do think they're a team that could foster a really interesting offense. Pete, how about you? Where's the dream spot for Richardson? Yeah, I'll, I'll stay with a similar theme of the Falcons, you know, wanting a take two at drafting a quarterback. And I'll say the Titans at 11, 
they clearly don't like what they've seen from Will uh, or from Malik Willis. They brought in Josh Dobbs on like 11 days notice and started him in a pretty important game. And now uh, they pick here at 11. If Richardson were to fall to them, that I feel like could be pretty fun. And it could basically be a do-over on what they were trying to do with the Malik Willis pick. You can kind of fast track this rebuild here in the post, you know, Tannehill and A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry era. Traylon Burks maybe getting fed a bit. And we know that their GM, there was some of the connections with Rand Carthon and uh, Trey Lance from when he was with the 49ers. So I could see Richardson being exactly his type. Yeah, I think that makes some sense. That's certainly with the Lance thing I think is there with Trey Lance seemingly wanting to get the reunion uh, reunion there with him, but not going to happen it looks like. But I think that could be a spot if Richardson falls. And the guy we talked about a little bit where I know with our Football Outsiders guys, they hate Will Levis. I looked at the uh, Sports Info Solutions data. There's nothing that stands out good about him. He's tall. Yeah. He kind of has the prototypical look. But I think, Kyle, that Will Levis is going to fall quite a bit. I don't even know where he would go. To me, it could be like late teens to somebody. Or maybe the Jets. No, the Jets can't take him. Um, Patriots can't take him. Maybe the Lions. I think take the him. Jets could end up taking him. The Jets. Really? The Jets is one. It's very. It's unlikely. I think it's pretty unlikely for the Jets to take quarterback. But I think there's like a non-zero chance they get shut out on the like the QB carousel that is going on right now. Uh, you know, I, I think it's not uh, not super likely. But like car sign. You know, the 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 Saints clear cap space. Car signs with them. Rogers goes to the Raiders. At that point, do you want to go with Jimmy Garoppolo? Known probably a known quantity, though we may even know less because he's coming from a he played in a scheme that was so good for him. Uh, we'll call him a known quantity though, but probably a pretty limited upside. Or do you want to go go all out and go with the go with the rookie, even if he is like floors way lower than Jimmy? I think that's obviously without question. It's possible. I don't think it's very likely that it pans out that way. I think they're most likely to get one of the the veterans, but uh, I think it could happen. Um, oh, one another interesting like. A lot of dominoes have to break different ways, but Baltimore would be really interesting. They might have to move up, but it's obviously only if they want to and have probably already moved on from Lamar. That's like possible. It's totally possible. They could even trade, like I've seen in this one, like the sort of math, especially the cap math adds up, sending him to Atlanta, right? Atlanta has the picks. And if, at that point, also, if you send Lamar somewhere, you're getting picks back. That's the, the ammunition you need to get a quarterback. And they just got Todd Monken, who I think could be a really strong offensive coordinator. They probably still need to, like, they need more receivers. Uh, as much as I love Bateman, they need more firepower at pass catcher. But they at least should have, like, they're a very structurally sound organization, which is, like, uh, something that, like, even though it's hard to measure, like, I think it matters. Getting D'Amico Ryan's in the building for the Texans, he seems like he'll build a better organization, a better culture, whether or not that results in, like, a better EPA per play from his quarterback because of his scheme. He's a defensive guy, so it's not even his scheme. Probably doesn't make a difference there, but like going to a good organization is probably a net win for a quarterback's career. Yeah, I could see that for the Ravens. Pete, do you, uh, Will Levis is like the least sexy prospect to talk about, but Pete, he is the one that looks the most like you out of all the QB class. So where should Will Levis go? Wait, have I even seen this headshot? I mean, I'm he's just like, he's kind of jacked and blonde. So I'll give you, I'll give you that. I mean, I like your description better than when I pulled up this photo. Um, <laughs> I got obviously I have to share it now so we can all bask in Will Levis. I've been, you know, watching the perfect match uh, on Netflix. Kind of has the Shane vibes, which gives me a, you know, kind of, I don't know, rubs me the wrong way. But I liked your jacked and blonde descriptor. I think best of all. I mean, this um, is a Pete photo if I've ever seen one. Just meathead. <laughs> yeah, Spags has actually been hitting me up to do this for our thumbnails. He said he really wants to put it on, but I know it's just for his personal collection. Yeah, with a tattoo of the Splash Play logo on your bicep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I am excited to unveil that. Um, yeah, I, I do think. Uh, man, I, he's the one where I, for some reason I just have like a hard time getting 
super excited about him. Um, but I do think the Raiders, if they kind of miss out on one of those free agent ones, it does seem likely that he'll go there and do whatever, you know, they want to continue to do with their vanilla offense. Yeah, I, not the most exciting name, but some of the receivers are going to be pretty exciting. But I got to pander right now, guys. If you were watching for the first time or if you just haven't hit the subscribe button before, please subscribe to Splash Play. Hit the like button. Whenever we have a third person on, Kyle, the gif is over your face now, and I apologize for that. I need to <laughs> That's right. I was drinking coffee, so you cover up me like consuming on live. Yeah, if you want to do bunny ears for the game, you can do that as well. But please subscribe to Splash Play, of course. As we talked about here, the fantasy football goes on all year long. Drafts every Friday as well. Lots of stuff coming up for me and Pete. And Pete doing guest booking. Great guests like Kyle here. So uh, make sure to come back around. And Kyle, give people your plugs too real fast. Because obviously you got Kyle tweets here on Twitter. You're a prolific tweeter out there, an XFL fan. You do all the stuff that I personally enjoy seeing in my feed. Prolific tweeter is all I could ask for. And I tweet out almost everything or retweet if it comes from one of the company accounts, everything I do. So Kyle tweets here pretty, pretty much gets you covered, but you can check out the, uh, you know, the NBC sports, uh, or I guess the Roto world football show, or check me out on NBC sports. I have like 14 or 15 of these off season team previews already, already out. And I think they're coming out like two a day now. Yeah, if you what, see Kyle's timeline, you know, you're in good hands. One thing I recently learned about Kyle, I was listening to him on uh, Neil Orfield's uh, High Stakes podcast, and I didn't realize that you were such a prolific uh, live final and qualifier EV chaser. That was that was kind of new to me. Yeah, if the contest isn't going to fill, there's a decent chance you'll find me in it. Uh, yeah, well, I, I I won the only live the only live final they didn't do live because it was during the COVID year, the the, the hockey live final. Um, but yeah, no, grinding that too, like uh, like 9.55 a.m. CSGO slate. I don't know. Someone's stochastic has projections for it, so we'll fire See, them up. That's what I was going to say. That's how you could tell that Kyle is a stochastic alum, is that like we have so many guys who've been on the staff or formerly on the staff like Kyle and I, who like will play any sport at all of those projections just because you know, oh, if I fade this ownership play and then take this other guy from the same stack, like it all works out. And I feel like that's one thing I really do admire about you, Kyle, is that out of all the fantasy football guys out there in mainstream spots, you are the one grinding CSGO at 930 in the morning. <laughs> that matters. Will that matters for your money. I will say, yeah, stochastic does make it uh, tempting because I remember it was during the pandemic too when there was the iRacing contest. Mm -hmm. And basically the way it worked was they wouldn't determine the order until like 20 to 30 minutes before. And Alex was like one of the only people who would update the projections in time. Yep. So if you just waited to make your lineups like the 20 minutes before, there's like this massive edge. I'm like, why the fuck am I playing iRacing? But yeah, stochastic will pump out those projections for you. Yeah, and they'll always be good. That's what matters. And speaking of always be good, this mock draft here that you've got going, Kyle, you do have, in fact, a man that I believe should be the top receiver on the board. Initially, betting markets had him being number three off the board. A lot of steam behind Jordan Addison, I think probably one of the most prominent NIL guys in terms of getting promoted a lot by USC out there. But Quentin Johnston, uh, kind of a rare treat in terms of this receiver class where he is a big-bodied guy who can be outside, can be productive, misses tackles at a high rate. Played pretty well, despite, I would say, middling talent at QB, throwing him the ball. So, Quentin Johnson, I'm with you on this one. I think you could see him be a key part of a Texans rebuild, again, with them having those two draft picks. So, I love your mock to him of him here, but how do you feel about Quentin Johnson's prospects coming in if he does go to the Texans with one of these rookie QBs? Yeah, I think he probably has, like, maybe a slightly wider distribution than someone like Jordan Addison, who, like, by all accounts, can be, like, quarterback's best, best friend, wins in all areas, but isn't going to run, like, four, three, one or whatever. Right. Whereas like Johnson has like legit track speed. 
And some teams, you know, it's like I said, only one team needs to say, if you're this big, which he is going to be big and fast, if you're this big and this fast, we will take you top 10. Like there are probably teams that at least weigh just the size speed combo heavily enough to push him ahead of someone like Addison. Are those the teams picking in the top 10? It's difficult to say, but I do think both in his draft capital, probably in real life too, as one of like the wider distributions because he has such a unique physical skill set. Uh, I think like if you're the Texans at 12, it's perfectly fine to take like a high upside shot. Like I have it written here. They're probably moving on from Brandon Cooks. Like, <laughs> like I think you literally tweeted like, stuff about like, oh, great career in, in Houston or whatever. Like not I'm going to be on a different team this time next year after week 18, but it's basically what he tweeted about. So uh, I, I think, I think Johnson, I don't know if he'll, I know for a fact, he won't be everyone's number one. I actually have JSN number one, like the guys who produce at such a young age with such strong competition uh, so efficiently, like those guys kind of look like superstars, but I do think it's a good class to have, to just take best player available almost. Cause like, there are good arguments for JSN one good for Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, perfectly fine. Like all these guys are strong prospects. There's just not one that is clearly, clearly the best. Yeah. I think that's a fair one. Pete, how are you feeling about this matchup? Cause I actually would say if we're going to pick a spot for Johnston, I think a Texans is kind of the best spot for him where, you know, he's going to get some target share. You know, he's going to come in and be used and schemed the right way. Kind of the stuff we've feared with some of the rookies in the past, but where would you want Johnston to go based on what you know of him as a guy who could be this big bodied, you know, I guess Deandre Hopkins type, yeah, it's it's interesting, like Kyle said, too, where it doesn't seem like any of these guys are really separating as a prospect. So like in an ideal world, you'd probably trade back a little bit, accumulate some assets and then get the second or third guy if we're saying that's, you know, a bit of a flat tier there. Um, I do think going to the Texans, if they get that franchise quarterback, um, which they should, makes a ton of sense. I honestly think, too, like one more spot, like if the Jets decided to just keep beefing up too, like if they were able to get Rogers and then select another wide receiver and the same thing we've been talking about, it's like, Oh, well, why would you select him? You already have Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. And it's like, no, always add weapons, keep adding, keep adding, keep adding. I think that could be like a sneaky fun spot as well, that that would be determined, you know, kind of by free agency. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Do you, what do you think about the jets here, Kyle? I mean, do you see them potentially taking a receiver because there are enough guys here. It's certainly a lot of slot guys to go around where Elijah Moore is probably playing next year, but do you think they could potentially add a weapon? Yeah, I think like, look, I was as big of Elijah Moore fan as, as they come whenever he came out of college, but like guys who are as little production through two years as him, like, they typically just don't pan out. The career arc doesn't look great for him. Uh, I still think there's some hope, but, but like, you know, like Pete saying, going back to what we said, like hope at number two is not a strong strategy. Like you need to be like, oh man, I hope someone, we have two solid receivers. If someone steps up at three, we're elite. If no one steps up, that's, that's the table stakes. Right. And uh, like, you need Elijah Moore to take steps forward. He needs to be more efficient. He like, they, they played like at one point, I think they played Denzel Mims over him. Do they hate yeah. Denzel Mims? Like <laughs> I, I get that supposedly there is some, you know, locker room type of beef between him and, and uh, Mike LaFleur, but Mike Floor wasn't the only one in control of that. Clearly his inability to even earn playing time at times is a concern. So I think that would be both a good, like especially if they get Rodgers, would be a really good spot uh, and probably underrated in the path to playing time. Because like, like I said, I, I loved Elijah Moore. You have to be pretty cool on him at this point for just his baseline projection. I still, still think he probably is the upside he entered the league with to some extent, but it hasn't been a good start. And that predicts... <laughs> future not good success or lack of success pretty well.
Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. And certainly Elijah Moore, a guy that people will continue to treat as though he's a star because he that's what he get drafted at last year. And I think that's certainly something that does make people tend to overvalue these guys a little bit. Jordan Addison, though, uh, he was a guy that coming into the draft process, I really wanted to fall in love with. Again, he's a USC guy. I know playing at Pitt with Kenny Pickett the year before that also looked really good. I worry about the size. I worry about the fact that he doesn't really feel like an outside guy relative to that size. And I think that's something where um, he's been okay versus press coverage from what I've seen in some of the advanced analytics, but it definitely doesn't jump out like a Drake London did in the past. So Addison, I think, kind of has a narrow window, Kyle, where I'm not sure where he would go to be the best fit. I feel like a Bills would make sense again, as a, or maybe if the Bengals were to cut Tyler Boyd, maybe he could be that wide receiver three we talked about earlier. But is this uh, Packers-Addison matchup you have here on the mock draft, is that where you'd like to see him go? Probably not. Although, like, I kind of fall in line with you where, like, I don't have Addison as my top player. I probably would have him third. Uh, yeah, I, I think I also like Quentin Johnson more. Uh, but also, he's a, really, he's a solid prospect, and I also respect the market considering him as maybe the number one. But I don't think Green Bay would be a great landing spot for, like, fantasy outlook. He would amass a ton of targets, which would be great because they have just no receiving talent. But, like, when you see a guy like Jordan Love, who enters the league and then doesn't play forever, uh, it's a pretty good sign he's not that great. Like, obviously, he had Aaron Rodgers ahead of him, but the team and Aaron Rodgers seemingly hate each other every offseason, and they were willing to push through that hate with money as well, a lot of money, to not play Jordan Love. That seemed to be the goal. If you, like, you are at odds with your starting quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, he wants a lot of money, and you still capitulate? Like, he's it's just... The odds are Jordan Love isn't very good, and that would not be good for a rookie receiver. The upside would maybe be that they'd be possibly in a really good position to get a quarterback next year, which at that point, you're only two years into your career, and you've got potentially a good young quarterback. But then again, like, is that quarterback good that year? Does it take longer? You may be pushing the window out for Jordan Addison to find himself on a good offense years and years and years, where, like, he doesn't make it to uh, the Bills. But, man, he, like that that's actually such a cool spot. Uh, they're a team Eagles are a team that like at the back end of these drafts, some receiver who is not as like talented prospect wise as Addison Johnston, Jackson, Jackson Smith, Najigba, someone who's probably not thought of as talented may end up out producing them because he gets to be the chiefs like wide receiver one slash two, you know, Kelsey's really the wide receiver one, but their number one actual wide receiver. He gets to play with Jalen hurts, something like that. Like some guy is going to make it to them. I, I actually have the Eagles taking Josh downs, uh, that like that's going to be a spot that just blows people away. Pete, how are you with Addison? I feel like he's one of those guys that you probably hear the name of the most just from casually observing college football. But uh, do you have a team matchup that you'd like to see him go to? Yeah, I mean, I from a team spot, I love I love it for the Packers, right? Too. I mean, they were giving targets to Randall Cobb like out of the slot at a point last year, and so when you have those quarterbacks that are a little shaky, where you're not sure, like can this guy actually be elite? What do you do? You surround them with so many weapons that it can mask things. So adding a guy to the Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs continue to stock that bucket makes sense. Um, you know, right there in the mix though, to the Patriots at 14, right? They're probably going to lose Jacoby Myers in free agency. They're going to need a slot guy. They're already really devoid of talent, even if Myers somehow stays. So, you know, sliding in Addison as like a younger guy to play the slot for you. I think with Mac Jones, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they might be overhauling their entire uh, wide receiver core because I think Parker's a potential cap casualty as well. So certainly some changes there. But Kyle, in classic Patriots fashion, you have them taking a cornerback here. <laughs> Look, like, uh, you know, they also need talent at corner. And maybe, you know, this is like not how they view it. Uh, but like you've got Mac Jones uh, just 
play for low scoring wins. Like he just probably isn't it. Uh, his receiving talent wasn't bad last year. And like Bailey Zappi looked as good as him. Uh, and that's like, even with like Brady, a lot of times, especially think about like the end of the Brady days, they were just doing the like complete short passes. We're going to win our way 20 to 17. Uh, and it's like a reason why we thought when Brady went to the bucks, I don't know, does he still have it anymore? It's because they had invested like nothing successfully in receiver and uh corner is also a need of theirs. Joey Porter, uh, would be a pretty good fit for them. And yeah, they, they're like the all time. It's like them and, and the Packers, the all time, like we don't draft for need. We just take like the best player available. They sometimes uh, almost seemingly never are receivers. So we talked about Harry, the Jigba. Um, I think you have him here going to the Ravens. I wouldn't mind seeing him go to the Chargers with Keenan Allen, potentially a guy that could not be on the roster uh, based on his cap hit. But there's a lot of slot guys here, Kyle, which has been kind of the theme that I've observed with the rookies that it's just a lot of guys who were sub six feet, who were kind of fast and didn't run the best route trees. Yeah. Are you in agreement? I, I think you're going to be based on the fact you said Smith and Jigba would be your top receiver. He's a cut above these other guys, right? Like I think he should be going substantially ahead of down, substantially ahead of flowers. Um, any other slot guys you can name that are going to be in this class. I think Smith and Jigba is a lot better based on you know, EPA numbers from his healthy year. Are absolutely insane. But I think he's kind of getting treated a little bit unfairly because of being a pure slot guy. So are you with me that he is really a, a tier, maybe two tiers above the rest of these slot guys? Yeah, there's like totally to me, and maybe the NFL doesn't view it this way. Uh, I, I think they will, given like you can look at betting markets and see he's clearly in that top three tier of receivers, which has kind of been established. Um, but yeah, like he was just so elite, such a young age, and continued that all the way up to the point where he doesn't play almost at all last year, like two games or whatever, barely two games. Uh, but like from a young age, he earned targets with extreme competition for those targets and was efficient on them. Like, that's, you know, that's what like the superstars look like as they make it to the NFL. And yeah, he probably doesn't have, I mean, he like literally doesn't have that like inside outside can do anything like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson type of profile. He's not terrible on the outside. He didn't play much on the outside, but he had a strong yards per outrun when he did move out there. And if he was just soaking up like a la Keenan Allen, I would love Chargers are such a good landing spot for a quarterback or for a wide receiver would be, I don't, I don't care what kind of receiver it is. They could keep. They could keep Keenan Allen for a year and add outside talent because like it was clear like the Mike Williams jump ball style just did not fit with how Herbert was playing last year. Add a dude who can actually like, create separation on the outside as opposed to a guy who's good at jump balls, but that's just not what Herbert or the offense is designed to do. Or cut Keenan Allen, add one of the many talented slot receivers in this draft and have them soak up targets right away and be more efficient on them. That's like that's like one of the ideal landing spots. And there are scenarios in which outside inside receiver like separation, don't just don't trap the jump ball guy. Uh, like any sort of receiver can fit with them well, depending on how they choose to play it. So I think I think Smith Jigba is clearly the best slot receiver, and potentially I think he is. But I think it's totally fair to say Johnston or Jordan Addison are better than him. But potentially the number one overall prospect at receiver, obviously. Pete, how do you feel about Smith and Jigba here? I know you've kind of been vocal about not loving his ADP in best ball right now in the 50 range, but I'm um, still a guy that can kind of plug into a lot of different offenses. Where would you want to see him go, I guess, to justify that ADP right now? Yeah, and I mean, I've seen it with the mocks. If if the, uh, the Chargers somehow do lose Keenan, which sounds like it could be a possibility, that's obviously the perfect fit, right? Because he just slides right in there, has an elite quarterback, has an immediate day one role, would probably lead the team in targets right out of the gate too, just the way they don't seem to utilize Mike Williams as a true target hog that much. So yeah, and I do love the Ravens call as well. Another team where, especially if they penny up for Lamar Jackson, 
you know, they are going to have to give him some weapons. There's some stats floating around how they are bottom in the league on money they've spent on offensive weapons, I think, over the past three years. Um, yep. So it is time to give Lamar Jackson some weapons, especially if they make that investment in giving him a long-term guaranteed contract that he wants. So I like that Ravens one too. And I think these days too, when people have seen what a Cooper Cup, what a Naman Ross St. Brown can do for your team, I feel like slot isn't so much a pejorative anymore and i feel like so many teams yep. are open to getting a guy like this i mean sure maybe the steelers don't take them because they already have deontay johnson and they feel they have that role locked down but you could go through all of these you know the patriots the packers the commanders you know all of these teams could use a guy like jsn yeah, yeah. i totally agree like the nfl we're not we're probably not there yet and it look in an ideal world yeah every wide receiver is six five and runs a four three and just Calvin Johnson, right? But there aren't a lot of those players to come around. And arguably, this is the most important role of a receiver is to get open and catch footballs and create yards. And that's something JSN is really good at. And the NFL is coming around to that, right? That the you don't have to be six three and you don't have to be able to win entirely on the outside. Uh, and like a dude who can play in the slot and is always open and catches every pass and produces yards after the catch. Sure, don't just don't play him outside. Let him do that thing he was really good at. Uh, pretty much full time in the slot. So I think that the sort of trend over the past decade or so definitely helps JSN have like a shot at being the top receiver taken. I don't think he will be, but I think it's possible. And it's because the league is more open to his his type. So we've talked, Kyle, about a lot of these top guys, and I want to make sure we get out on a reasonable time frame here. But any receivers you want to plant a flag for? Because we talked about kind of the slot heaviness, the Josh Downs's, the Zay Flowers, even Butte is kind of a more likely to be a slot than not. Are any of these guys standing out to you as somebody you want to say like, hey, I'm touting, I'm pumping my chest for this guy now as a rookie that people aren't on maybe enough as they should be? I don't know if I'm that confident in anyone, but I do really like Jalen Hyatt's game. And I have him in a spot to be great for him, uh, right? Because like the Cowboys so desperately need a second receiver like Gallup. Like maybe he's wasn't fully recovered uh, last year. It had been a while, but maybe he wasn't fully recovered and he comes back better. But like, they were legit giving 33-year-old T.Y. Houghton meaningful reps. Like, they were like, oh, man, if T.Y. Houghton comes up big this game, uh, we might have a chance to win in the playoffs. Can't be doing that. Just cannot be doing that. And Dak, I think, is is underrated in that he's just consistently one of the most efficient quarterbacks outside of, like, the Mahomes tier, right? And that's not who he is. But, like, if they have more receiving talent, they maybe throw the ball a little more. And you have someone like Hyatt who can be a huge playmaker move into the, he'll probably play mostly in the slot, frankly, but CD lamb is able to move in and out. So you have a lot of flexibility with your number one receiver, your number two, it's fine that he probably plays mostly in the slot. He'd be, I think a pretty good fit for the Cowboys. And if he goes here, he would, if he goes here, he'd be like a big, big chest pound guy for me, but I do probably like him a bit more than the market. Pete, any deep cut rookies you want to plan a flag for at receiver? No, I'm uh I could bullshit, but I'll, I'll spare the people. <laughs> Kyle, you so you have six going in this first round. I assume, like, what do you think would be an efficient over-under for betting markets? Uh, would the line be five and a half or six and a half for wide receivers going in the first round? I think it'd probably be five and a half because I think, uh, like, the, the Josh Downs final pick or – second to last pick in the draft uh, is very speculative. I, it's like, it doesn't make a, like, so I think the casual person doesn't make a ton of sense that they would, they have two good receivers. Why would they take a third? Well, like, cause they're smart investors and they know how to win football, but it doesn't make a ton of sense. And there are a lot of teams in the back that like have small chances of taking receivers like the chiefs, the chiefs, 
somehow don't need to invest in receiver, but it would make sense for them to do so. So I think probably five and a half would make a little more sense because it is, I guess it definitely makes more sense because I, it's hard to see the seventh receiver coming down the line here. Like downs was almost an optimistic pick to get to six. Yeah, I, I think five and a half feels about right to me too. And I, I'm with you on the same guys as well. Um, I will plant a flag real fast receiver because I do want to talk about tight end before we have to jump off. Um, but, you know, I do think Marvin Mims is a guy that I've kind of beaten the drum of a little bit. These guys who can get outside and do something. Mims would be nice like Kyle was talking about. If he were 6'4", I think Mims would be pretty much right there with Quentin Johnston. But the guy can run outside. Trey Palmer, an outside receiver. Cedric Tillman, another outside receiver. Um, these are guys that I think aren't getting drafted very much at all in best ball, but could be valuable players. Uh, Tillman, I think the one worry point is like he did at Tennessee. You know, Hyatt, same thing too. Pretty much video game offense there. Uh, but still definitely some players that could be useful. But Kyle, talk to me about tight end. Because uh, right before the show, I did see on a Pat McAfee show, uh, Daniel Jeremiah was talking about the tight ends taken, and he was saying a thing that I've been thinking, which is that I think three tight ends go in the first round, maybe a chance of like four within the first few picks in the second round as well. You only have one tight end going here. You do have uh, the guy who's been the high pedigree tight end, Michael Mayer, going to the Bengals. Bengals, as we talked about earlier, popular destination for these rookie tight ends. Are you fungible here with how many tight ends get drafted? Because I think with people seeing you know, teams, copycat league, we always talk about the NFL, Travis Kelsey and Dallas Goddard, the two top EPA tight ends last year, end up being the last two standing. I think that matters. I think that's why I'd push towards more tight ends. But tell me why it's just mayor for you. Yeah, I think uh, for a lot of these teams, like I do think the way the tight end is used now a lot of times uh, when I'm writing up, I usually just give them like three, you know, the top three needs you could probably lump in like a strong receiving tight end as opposed to a wide receiver, right? Because like, I think the if the uh, Bengals just trot out some nobody at tight end, but have a strong third receiver, like they managed to upgrade, you know, they, they cut Tyler Boyd as a cap casualty and they upgrade, right? That's probably functionally similar. Not the same, but it does serve similar purposes. Uh, but also we see just like, we have just had such a strong track record of our inability to predict early career success with tight ends. And I think probably optimally you're not spending your first round picks on them just because we've seen them like take almost through run the course of that first contract when they're so when their cap number is so controlled that they're not finding a ton of success there so uh i think that's probably i mean that's why i only have one but i totally agree i think like it's very possible to see like a dalton kincaid jump in uh like even you know it's sort of like receiver where like you probably could just keep pushing your edge here just play with more tight ends or rotate your tight ends for different skill sets like the chiefs could take a tight end travis kelsey was like 35 or 6 and like he is holding this passing attack together in terms of from the pass catching side you know like spider-man holding the two sides uh, of the crashing boat together like it is I, I think they should probably keep like filtering in new receivers but at some point they really need to find a replacement for kelsey doesn't seem like it's this year but they're coming up on it so i think i think i'd probably set it at one and a half uh, I'd be surprised if like three get in though. You heard it here first. Kyle Dvorak, not a Noah Gray fan. Um, you know, <laughs> poor Noah and Blake Bell feeling the slander today. Davis flipping a table somewhere in the distance. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, I'm sure. But I do agree. Like getting the Kelsey replacement, like if you're going to do it, I think taking Musgrave in the second round wouldn't be crazy. Taking Schoenmacher in the third round, I think would not be crazy either. So uh, I would just plant a flag now to say, I think something crazy is going to happen at tight end in the draft. And I think it's certainly possible. Some of these guys end up with bigger roles. And I think we've seen historically with tight end, but we'll find out Kyle, give us the plugs again and give us actually any other thoughts draft wise. Cause you've done all the work here. want to make sure we cover everything that's in that beautiful brain of yours. So anything else draft wise stand out to you? No, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of like 
really strong like day two candidates at running back. Uh, a lot of guys who had like really strong late career production, some who even went all the way through. And, uh, you know, it's not in the first round mock, so it's not a big deal. I'd be shocked if we get more than one running back in the first round, but there are probably some fun landing spots to had to be had at the top of the second round. Uh, but no, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, like I tweet this out, I'll, I'll tweet out all the stuff I got coming on. I'll probably run another mock after the combine when we get athletic measurements on some of these guys. So be on the lookout for that. There you go. Yeah, Kyle will be grinding. Follow Kyle at Kyle tweets here. And of course, check out his work on NBC sports edge. Pete, what are your plugs coming up here? Uh, what are my plugs doing the, uh, the club show with Andy and clay after this, and then we'll be back tomorrow uh night for ship chasing i assume we'll dive into this new rookies and sophomores uh contest that launched on underdog pretty fun um just like it sounds only rookies and sophomores 12 rounds um and some fun kind of positional scarcity dynamics with the quarterbacks specifically so yeah we'll probably dive into that tomorrow and Pete and I will be back on Friday doing a best ball stream bright and early, or I guess not bright and early, but midday around noonish time. So make sure to subscribe to the Splash Play channel. There we go. Covering up Kyle one more time on the way out. Hit the like button. Leave a comment down below. Of course, follow me at Chris Spags. Follow Pete at Peter Overzet, And follow Kyle at Kyle Tweets here. Be back with you guys again very soon. So enjoy your weeks. Enjoy the NFL Combine. We'll see you guys again soon. Bye.